What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. I am Cole Haight. I am the wonderful host of this sports podcast. Shout out. Uh, it is a beautiful day today in eastern Pennsylvania, January the 18th of 2022. Uh, shout out to all the people out there, which is kind of what I, where I was at in terms of being mid-thought during the last thought. Uh, but anybody who just went through that nor'easter storm that came in through parts of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, up into New York, uh, any of the listeners out there, hope you guys are good. Ice storm mixed with snow, never good. My back is killing me from shoveling. It's just uh, snow days uh, on your day off are always the worst uh, because now I've re- finally realized that I'm old enough to – it's not a snow day. It's a work day because i got to shovel everything, right? So just a shout out again, please follow me on Twitter at All in Man Cave Pod. Follow me on uh, – add me on Facebook, Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D as in dog, T as in Tom. And the podcast has found a lot of places that you can find podcasts. For instance, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast platforms. All right, guys, the EK Parlay for the Super Wild Card Weekend. Three wins, two losses, and a push. Uh, the push being, which some of you may have gotten a better, may have gotten a better number depending on when you place the bet. Uh, but when I placed my bet on Thursday, I believe, Thursday evening, I got it at 46. I saw places where it dropped. I also saw places that it went up. So depending on when you guys took that uh, under for the Eagles-Bucks game, uh, which we will obviously go over, uh, that was the push. But uh, two big wins to start the weekend on Saturday, and then it kind of just fell off from there. Uh, with trust uh, that I had and trust that I really wanted to believe in uh, in two teams that let me down this weekend. But we will hop right into the recap. Going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast today. Uh, we're going over six games. I got some special stuff planned for the preview pod uh, that's going to come out at the end of the week on Friday. So uh, some stuff leading into the next round of the NFL football playoffs. But we're going to go over all six matchups, not in any particular order. I'm going to talk about them a little bit. Uh, and then uh, we'll kind of see see a lot a lot of weird stuff happen in these games. So we're we, we're gonna definitely for or for the next uh, little tiny chunk of time we're gonna talk about it uh, and let's see what happened because it was a very interesting Super Wild Card weekend. Uh, let's start off in Arrowhead. The Chiefs embarrassed the Pittsburgh Steelers 42 to 21. Obviously, I'm saying that uh, because one of the losses in the parlay was taking the Steelers plus the points. Uh, I had faith and so much faith. Uh, that maybe the faith was a little, uh, little inflated there, uh, but the Steelers no surprises in this game. They played like they typically played the last at least month, month and a half, uh, if not the whole season on offense. Uh, the defense couldn't keep up with Patrick Mahomes, and the defense hasn't been on on. Uh, like a typical Mike Tomlin Steelers defense all season, they've been inconsistent. So I really, I really don't take any surprises out of this football game. I really don't. Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt on the defensive side for Pittsburgh got home multiple times on Mahomes. Uh, they were wreaking havoc a little bit. Uh, some of their other players' corners, some blown coverages on some wide-open receivers for Kansas City. But I, I should have taken the Chiefs minus the points. It was just a lot at the time. Uh, in retrospect, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. but uh, the Mahomes is getting help. He's getting help on this football team, and it's not from their typical targets you're going to think of when you think of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes. 
and Eric Bieniemy on offense. Uh, Byron Pringle, uh, McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon, former Minnesota Viking. Uh, shout out to Greg. I told him when that happened, uh, when when McKinnon went went, and then Kansas City went and had the opportunity to pick him up and sign him, I knew that he was going to have some sort of impact if they get him the football. Great game this week, uh, especially in this offense. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a decent game, uh, but nothing nothing crazy. Uh, and Travis Kelsey's been relatively quiet the last month, month and a half of the of the season, and so has Tyree Kill. They both had splash plays in this game, uh, but Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle and and Jarek McKinnon are, are more weapons for a Patrick Mahomes. That as much as you want to say that Patrick Mahomes hasn't had that great of a season. Uh, since they played Green Bay and and solidified that win, even without uh, having Aaron Rodgers to play against, Mahomes has been Mahomes, and people need to stop need to stop the beginning of the season is going to be the Mahomes of the future. Mahomes went through a struggle; he's still struggling a little bit to find his offensive weapons. It happens amidst an NFL season. But if you're going to have key contributors like Jarek McKinnon, uh, like Byron Pringle, uh, they were getting offense. Derek Gore, a th- what was supposed to be a third or fourth string running back on this team, is is putting in solid yards on a Chiefs offense that has a, the ability, even with the struggles they've had this year, to be probably the best team going into the Super Bowl throughout the playoffs. But you got to be high on the Chiefs. If you're not, I want to know why. Uh, because, I, listen, and this is a commonality, not only in, in, the, in the NFL world, but also in, in the real world. The Chiefs' high expectations that they've built for themselves in the last few years is making people critique them more and more and in smaller and about smaller difficult situations situations that's the way it is the chiefs were very very phenomenal i guess you could say and that's probably not grammatically correct but who gives a shit at this point but I, listen they don't don't get it twisted mahomes and the kansas city chiefs are held to a higher standard than most teams in this league the better you play the better you're critiqued that's what the media is really good at and and it happens not just in in football. It happens in other sports. It happens in life. You got a really good worker that works at a company. He's going to be held to a higher standard than the the goal of that company. I've spent a decent amount of time of my life in in the warehouse, the warehousing field. I guess you could call it as a supervisor, as a regular worker, as a team lead in the warehousing community. Or I guess that's a bad way to put it, but in the sector of working in a warehouse. This happens literally all the time. You have people that go above and beyond. You have people right on the cusp, and you have people way under. And they're all held to different standards. And that's just the reality of it. The Chiefs are in a prime position to, to, to take the NFC. Or, sorry, to take the AFC. They're in a prime position. They got a tough game coming up this week against Buffalo. We'll talk more about the matchups that are coming up this week and spend more time on this podcast talking about the ones that happened this previous week. But, look... The Chiefs are in a good spot, and the Chief haters can be the Chief haters. They can. I am not a Chief hater. I know that there's concerns that they have with their football team. I I get that they're inconsistent on the defensive side of the football as of late. I get that Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey seem to be off just a tad compared to where they were maybe even a year ago, maybe even at the beginning of the season. But I'm not going to start putting Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on a on a cross 
And I'm not going to do that because they're playing good enough and they're finding ways to win football games, which is what you expect from playoff teams. Next on the list, the 49ers beat the Cowboys, who were favored by three. Uh, we just happened to start these two, the first two uh, recaps of these football games and the two that lost for the parlay. Uh, obviously, I took the Cowboys minus three. I thought that Dak and that offense would be good enough. It, it ended up showing everyone in the world, uh, and this is a this is not just a cowboy. I I know that I'm biased. I'm not the biggest fan of the the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but I'm really not the biggest fan of their fans. And I'm sorry if you guys are out there. Maybe I've just been I've just been absolutely cursed meeting people that are absolutely awful awful fans. And and I'm not saying like awful in terms of they're bad people. I'm saying like their fandom is like. I just don't understand. Like they seem like they're blind. I don't listen. I've just been, there's some good cap. There's good fans of every team out there and there's bad fans of every team out there. I have just been from the people that I've come across in my lifetime, not met a decent number of great cowboy fans. It's just, I listen, that's just, that's just the brutal reality of it. But uh, listen, that, the Cowboys had a season where they were pumped up. Everybody was pumping them up at the beginning of the season. They played in the one of the worst divisions in football. They got some wins against bad teams. They had some losses against good teams. And San Francisco came into this game extremely hot. And extremely hot is probably an understatement. With all the problems that San Francisco has on the offensive side with a few gaps and even on the definitely on the defensive side with a few gaps, they've been super hot the last few weeks. And it's been blatantly obvious the way that Kyle Shanahan's going to coach this game his way, and it works. The way he uses Debo Samuel in a game, and the the funniest part about this is not because Debo Samuel is so much better. I've had, I've had people telling me that they went and and picked him up in the fifth, sixth round of their fantasy leagues. Imagine the people that picked those up. Most of you probably won your championship in fantasy. Debo has been amazing. Debo has been amazing this season, running the football, catching the football, helping on special teams. He's a leader in on that offense with a decent amount of younger individuals. Debo has been awesome, but their playmakers aren't selfish either. Brandon Ayuk, you got Brandon Ayuk, you got George Kittle, you got Kyle Juszczyk, you got Elijah Mitchell, you, you've got Jawan Jennings, you've got Debo Samuel. There's a lot of players on that team, and they don't care how many touches they get as long as they win football games. George Kittle was almost non-existent in terms of receiving stats in this football game, but you know what he did? Destroy people inside in the run game, which allowed Elijah Mitchell to get more looks, better looks, on picking up decent amounts of, of yardage. And Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play great. He definitely did not play great. But he doesn't have to for them to win football games. If their defense is going to play that well, if they're going to be able to exploit the other team the way that they can, and with Kyle Shanahan's awesome offensive mind and, and ability to coach a football team, they are a dangerous, dangerous team going throughout the playoffs. Everything that people were saying about the Colts leading up to maybe like, I don't know, I would say like week 16, week 17, all the stuff they were saying about the Colts were going to be dangerous if they could get in the playoffs. That is now the 49ers. That is exactly what's happening. Now everybody's talking about the famous final play. Dak Prescott, there's 14 seconds left, takes a run up the middle for 17 yards, I think it was. 
and he, he slides and they have a few seconds left. They're trying to set up the set up the play to clock it. The ref hits Dak Prescott into his offensive lineman. The ref can't get the ball spotted in time and the game's over. Dak, Dak and the Dallas Cowboys were going for the game-tying touchdown at the time, only down six. So I understand how this looks, and to Dallas Cowboy fans and some maybe somewhat biased fans, that everyone's going to blame the referees for this, for this instance. And on this podcast, I have definitely buried referees. So I don't, I'm not coming off as any type of of any type of uh, like I'm flip flopping, I'm I'm taking it, but this was a hundred percent on the Dallas offense, the Dallas coaching, and and Dak Prescott. You got to know that when you slide, you got to find the umpire. Umpire needs to set the ball. Your center does not snap or start a play from where he sets the ball, or we would have a lot more cheating in the NFL. That is why the referees are here. They're, everyone's going to super analyze this as to when the referee should have been there. Should he have been there earlier? And they're going to super analyze everything and take every little piece and blow it up. But what you need to know at the end of the, the at the end of the play or at the end of the game when you're thinking about this exact play, Dak needs to get the umpire the ball so he can spot it and then they can clock it. That's it. Or you run for less than 17 yards, you run for 13, and we're not even talking about this. Because the ball's spotted, you have enough time, and the referee's closer to where you ended up. So that's the end of the thing. Dallas needed a better execution of that play. This one is not on the referees. We will get to a call that is possibly on the referees later in these recaps. But that play is not on the referees. Dak Prescott and and Kellen Moore and the analytics people and Mike McCarthy, most importantly, needed a better play selection and they knew that play selection was risky. Next on the list, the Bucks beat the Eagles somewhat better than the score shows. Uh 21, sorry, 31 to 15. Uh Philadelphia and granted, there's a lot of hyped Eagles fans, and I I know a lot of them, obviously, since I'm only an hour from Philadelphia. Uh, I, there's a lot of Eagles fans around here. There's a lot of Steelers fans around here. Everything in the NFC East, because uh, it seems like if you hate a team or like a team of the NFC East, you have to love or hate the opposite for the rest of the division. That's pretty much everywhere, to be quite honest with you, so that's not a crazy take, but... Uh, here's the thing. They got completely outmatched, completely outplayed, and Jalen Hurts looked awful. He couldn't make routine plays, and this is what this is what all of the people in the media, I give them credit for, are calling out athletic quarterbacks for not being able to throw the football in the pocket like a traditional one. I get the argument. I understand it. I think players that are dynamic – Similar to your Jalen Hurts, Mike Vick, Lamar Jackson, focus more on the craft of running and being unique and elusive versus learning and taking the time to grow in terms of mechanics, footwork, knowledge of the playbook, mastering different type of throws. I think that that's the situation that happens with these these athletic quarterbacks. And and listen, there's a lot of people out there saying that Gardner Minshew is a better option than Jalen Hurts, and that's just... I just, I can't back that. There's no way I could back that statement. There's no way. Listen, Gardner Minshew is, is fine, uh, but he's limited. And if you're trying to tell me that that Gardner Minshew's arm in terms of ability and skill is that much better than Jalen Hurts, 
that it is for Gardner Minshew to be running running back options with Jalen Hurts, and the and then that's closer than everyone's saying. I'm not making I, I I can't make that jump. I think Jalen Hurts needs another year. Let's find out if Nick Sirianni has any any hand in this this collapse of the Eagles slash are they good enough Eagles slash I don't know I don't like his press press conferences. He gave me a bad vibe. Uh, when I found out they were hiring him, when I looked back in his past and, and saw some of the stuff, I'm not the biggest fan of Nick Sirianni. I, I don't think he's the best coach for Philadelphia. So I think maybe some of this, some of this stuff, not beating better teams and, and Jalen Hurts and the play calling and stuff like that, he may have a hand in that. I, I, I'm not. I don't know for sure, but there, there might be something that comes out. Nick Sirianni tries to call plays and override the offensive coordinator and then I wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't honestly surprise me but less about the Eagles Uh, good luck next year uh, Philadelphia Uh, good luck you got three first round picks I think you'll be all right develop Jalen Hurts a little bit more I think you're in the clear I think you're in the clear. The defense looks good you've got a good defensive coordinator granted he is interviewing for head coaching jobs most recently, the Minnesota Vikings, which would be very interesting. With Doug Peterson, former head coach, and their current defensive coordinator applying to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, that is insanity. I've never heard of that since I've been a fan. But uh, listen, TB12, the defense looked really good. Uh, Tom Brady looked great. He didn't have to look amazing. He just looked great. Uh, this game, there's two garbage time touchdowns at the end. I think one of the touchdowns with the was the end of the third quarter. The other one was in the middle of the fourth. I was sweating out the under, and then they ended up getting the two-point conversion on a crazy catch by Devontae Smith, who hadn't done anything all year. Uh, but he catches a crazy pass from Jalen Hurts for the two-point conversion to make it 46 on the nose, and I was just livid. Uh, because I came off two first wins because the Saturday games I had straight up money line for the parlay, but... Uh, the Bucks look good. They had a few injuries in this game uh, that are a little bit worrisome. Uh, Tristan Wirfs on the offensive line got hurt, and then his backup got hurt. Uh, and I believe he plays left tackle, so that's going to be a huge issue for the Bucks to take forward if he's not able to come back, or if even the backup's able to come back, which means then they might have to reach into their bag of tricks where guards or tight ends play tackle, and it's just a joke. So I'm worried about that. Leonard Fournette was supposed to be good to go for this game, and then they activated Giovanni Bernard and not him which is a concern. What is happening with Fournette? He's a big part of that offense, and they're going to lose a lot of their receiving weapons and start using another source for big plays that's not Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans. They could probably get it from Fournette uh, and their backup tight ends, but I don't think they get it done with just one of those options. So that's something to keep in con- into consideration if you're a Tampa Bay fan out there or if you're betting on games moving forward. Maybe it's close. A closer game because once Werfs uh, exited for for the Buccaneers and his his backup exited as well, Tom Brady seemed to get uh, more pressured. Uh, that's just me personally. So I I don't know. It's something to take a look at. The Bucks won way better. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. They won at a more convincing clip than 16 points in this game because the Eagles just couldn't figure it out and their defense got roasted. But it got roasted by Tom Brady. So. Uh, the Eagles to get in this year, great season, I would consider for them. I, I would call this a win. I don't know about your head coach, but I think this year was definitely a success compared to what you were projected at, for sure. 
Next on the list, the Bills beat the Patriots 47-17. to Everyone telling me to take the under in this game for the parlay. I don't, can't even tell you how many people told me to take the under in this game because it was going to be a close game. I stayed away from it. Then I took the Bills' money line, which got me the win by 30, which I probably should have just taken a minus four, to be quite honest with you. But um, listen, I Josh Allen was an, an animal. Josh Allen is going to be great if he continues to play at this level. There are some concerns. The concerns I have with the Buffalo Bills is, number one, can they continue to run the ball effectively? And number two, can Josh Allen go an entire game without getting hurt? Because he's doing a lot. He did a lot in the passing game. He was a lot in the running game. He was running through the middle of the field on third and shorts uh, as design QB draws. The Buffalo Bills are walking a fine line with Josh Allen. If Josh Allen gets even the slightest bit dinged up, their whole team loses a lot more than just football games. And it's going to be, if Josh Allen can't perform and do what he does, and he can't do it because he's dinged up, or, listen, it's going to be a travesty because then you have to bring in Mitch Trubisky. And we haven't talked Mitch Trubisky on this podcast uh, because I was a huge Mitch Trubisky hater uh, when he was on the Bears, when the Vikings would play him. I am not the biggest fan of him. I don't like what he brings to the table. I don't like his decision-making. But if Mitch Trubisky runs that offense, the Bills lose a lot of steam, a lot of steam. The Like I mentioned already, their run game, again, with Devin Singletary looked good. They used a different form of running the football with Josh Allen doing a little bit. They had him out on naked boots. They had Singletary running up the middle. They had him bounced outside. They used a little bit of of trickery uh, with wide receivers, tight ends, fullbacks, what have you, uh, throughout the game. So their running game has been great for the last month of the season. If they can keep that going, the Bills might be unbeatable the way their defense is playing. They made Bill Belichick, a Bill Belichick-led Patriots team look absolutely atrocious in the first half. Absolutely atrocious. I was watching the game uh, whilst playing a rousing game uh, of gin rummy with my girlfriend, actually, during that night. And it was just abomination. A score after a score after a score after a score. They, they scored on every possession. The Bills scored on literally every possession. It was absolutely insane. Their defense came up huge. Micah Hyde with a huge pick. If you guys did not see his interception uh, off of Mac Jones deep into the end zone, please look it up. A great clip, great interception, great play by Micah Hyde, who used to be a terror when he was on the Green Bay Packers because uh, that was absolutely awful. But listen, I there is a huge amount of people out there that are willing to throw their two cents about how, why the Patriots lost this lost this game and that's for one reason and one reason only there's two people and two people they are blaming I wouldn't say people things there are two things that people are blaming for the loss Uh, one of them is extremely right and one of them is extremely wrong people are blaming Mac Jones which is wrong and are blaming the New England defense which is correct Mac Jones is not putting up 48 points in that game it's not happening Mac Jones throws for I don't know, just throw a figure out there. It doesn't matter what it is. 350 yards and four touchdowns. They still lose by double digits. Their defense crapped the bed. If you want to put a little bit of it on the coaching, uh, whether it be the defensive coordinator or Bill Belichick himself, you can do that as well. I'm okay with that. But this was all about the Bills and not about the Patriots playing bad. 
The, the Patriots were inflated all season when they went on the run. That team is a well-coached team, but they clearly have holes. They clearly have holes, and they clearly have holes when they're playing a top three defense, probably the number one defense in the Buffalo Bills without Tredavious White, which is absolutely amazing, uh, the fact that they don't have their best corner and their defense is still number one. So great on the Bills. It's going to be a very interesting matchup next week, them against the Chiefs. I think it's on Sun- that's the Sunday night football game. There's uh, the, the times are set. I didn't actually get a chance to look at it yet, but uh, listen, I don't know. I don't know if they selected the NFC and AFC opponents to play on the same day or intertwined. I can't remember exactly if they do that on purpose or if it just was a coincidence for a lot of years in a row. But listen, there's going to be a great slate of games this week. We're obviously going to talk more about those games on my next podcast for the preview. Uh, But the Bills and the Chiefs are probably going to be the best game. Now, you could say San Francisco and Green Bay as well. You've got Cincinnati and Tennessee as well as, who am I leaving out? Tampa Bay and the Rams. So these games are going to be good, and they're going to continuously get better. But that might be the the best game on the slate that I want to watch in terms of an NFL football fan is the Chiefs against the Bills at Arrowhead. Don't worry about weather. That has nothing to do with, with, with determining anything in this football game. It is going to be, can Josh Allen score more points than Patrick Mahomes? That is going to be the absolute headline for this football game because clear as day, and I don't care what statistics say, the Bills' defense is way better than the Chiefs' defense. I'm sorry in terms of depth chart, in terms of playmakers, in terms of overall skill. The Bills' defense is way better, and I don't know which offense is better. But we're going to see which quarterback is better this week on Sunday Night Football. Next on the list, the Bengals beat the Raiders 26-19. to uh, bro, Joe Burrow. Bro Burrow, that's hilarious. Maybe we should call him that from now on, Bro Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow had a great game. Jamar Chase could not be covered in this football game. The, the Raiders' defense was exposed a bit against them. They also had a few good plays against the Cincinnati Bengals. Didn't prove to be enough. Derek Carr had a great game. For, for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs didn't even get involved until the second quarter. That was a bit odd considering his recent success running the football. Uh, but maybe they saw something weird in terms of a matchup against Cincinnati and maybe they wanted to keep it away from Jacobs in the first quarter. It clearly didn't work. That, But the problem is it, the Raiders had a way, way better season this year and, and a hell of a season to them. Kudos uh, to all the Raiders as an organization to get through all the things that they've been through as well as to overperform uh, what people expected even when this team, at the before the season even started, uh, people were taking the under for, for wins for the Raiders, and, and all of them were wrong. The, Derek Carr is clearly a better leader than people think. They have a lot to look forward to, uh, and hopefully not a lot of negative to look forward to since they pretty much got basically all negative things thrown at them all season. So kudos to Derek Carr. I don't think he should go anywhere. I think Derek Carr needs to stay on that team. I don't think he wants to go anywhere, and I don't think the Raiders are going to get rid of him. I guess it really depends on what coach they they hire or if they stick with Rick Passaccia. That's pretty un... I don't really know what's going to happen with that. I'm not a clue. There's a lot of Jim Harbaugh stuff coming out about how he wants to be on the Raiders, and he's the perfect fit for the Raiders. And when that typically happens, the coach goes there. 
especially as a big of a name as Jim Harbaugh and and as big as the Raiders are as a fan base, as a team in the NFL. I, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm not – it's hard to tell. I don't think Derek Carr leaves. I think they need to revamp the defense a bit. And I think the offensive lines underperformed just enough for Derek Carr to be thrown off a little bit. So I don't think Derek Carr's reached his ceiling. I don't think this team with playmakers – that have either left during the season or been dinged up during the season. I think they know what they get from Hunter Renfro. Zay Jones has looked good with Darren Waller bringing another big name and 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 improve the offensive line. They already have the running backs. So I think they're close. And I don't think that they need this huge rebuild. I don't think they need to get rid of their, their big name players that have performed well even through the BS that they've dealt with. I don't think that that needs to happen for Vegas. I really don't. I just don't know if Jim Harbaugh is the best idea if he actually does get hired to, to coach that team. I think they need someone with the potential of less drama because it seems like Jim Harbaugh has just enough drama in Vegas to to potentially blow that up, that whole team, and I don't want it to happen. Been a, a Raiders supporter. I mentioned it multiple times. I will support the Raiders, but I will root for the Chiefs if I have to. But I, I, I think that 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 fan base deserves it. Something it's constant uh, development, re- minor rebuild, get rid of the problems, bring in the flourishment. That might actually be a real word. I thought I made up another word on this podcast, but that might actually be a real word. Listen, I think that they the, the fans deserve it, point blank. They deserve it. Uh, but on the flip side, again, Joe Burrow looked good. Jamar Chase looked good. I, I think Joe Burrow shows a lot of promise. In this, in this league, I think he's done a lot already, overcoming a huge injury and being good. He He's looked good from the beginning, uh, even when they weren't winning football games and before he was injured, uh, before he injured his leg last season. He looked good. Uh, you're a rookie. You're going to have issues. He came and clearly worked on a lot of stuff while rehabbing that leg, which is pretty impressive. They're able to run the football, uh, th- th- but they weren't in this game, which is very odd. It it seemed odd. Joe Mixon was uh, was involved in the in the passing game. They could not run very well against a, a somewhat a, a somewhat leaky defense in Las Vegas in, ter- in terms of against the run. I know their pass rush has the ability to get home. I I understand all of that, but against the run, they're relatively weak. Now they've had good games throughout the season, but they're not they're, they're not anything to, to write mom home write home mom about. But I thought they would they would be able to do that. They weren't, but and Joe Burrow was still able to get them the win with a decent a decent performance by their deep with by the Cincinnati defense as well against the Raiders. But the thing that I really want to talk about is can they go into Tennessee and get a win? I don't know the answer to that question. But if you asked me that question at the beginning of the season that Cincinnati would be playing Tennessee. In the, in the divisional round, I would 100% pick the Titans. Right now, I don't know who to pick because Joe Burrow looks really good. The offense looks good. The defense is clicking. I think that they have a real shot to put up a big fight in a game that people probably didn't expect to be as close as it's going to be. Last game to go over, the game that happened last evening. I did not watch any of this football game. Uh, completely exhausted, shoveling all day. It was a disaster. Uh, so uh, had a night in. Did not watch. Did not watch really. I watched the Minnesota Wild hockey game a little bit uh, before that, but 
I did not watch a lot of this game. Went back and watched a little of it, um, and then uh, saw the primetime review recap as well uh, with Boomer and Booger McFarland. But uh, the Cardinals imploded, and the the Rams beat them thirty four to eleven after the Cardinals had the best record in the NFL for at least a month. It's absolutely wild, and there's a lot of finger pointing happening right now. Not even within that organization, but from the media in general. Uh, the media and most TV personalities slash podcasts that I listen to or watch do not like Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach. They they do not like the, the inconsistency from the Cardinals on defense. They don't like the play of Kyler Murray late in seasons and, and in general in some cases. They weren't able to run the football at all with James Conner. They couldn't really get anything going in terms of anywhere throughout this football game. Uh, no no receiver really stepped up and took charge, and no running back stepped up and took charge either with, with them having Edmonds and, and James Conner. So I, the Kyler threw two picks. I literally put the game on, and in bef- I think at the end of the first half, Kyler had like 40 yards, uh, 40 yards passing with two picks. I was like, what is happening in this game? This is insanity. My buddy Zeb at work, shout out to Zeb if he listens to this, made a bet. It was a single game parlay or a, a same game parlay bet for everything revolving Kyler Murray stinking in this football game. And I think he won like 300 bucks. I think it was like 10 bucks, won 300 bucks from a free bet from, from either DraftKings or MGM. So uh, shout out to Zeb. Good win. Uh, but he really needed all that. Kyler looked awful in this game. And I don't know, I, I didn't see like the entire, I didn't watch the entire game. So this this could be completely off in terms of a take. But Kyler must have either been extremely under pressure in this game or he just flat out had a stinker in the worst spot. You had a bad end of the season. I think they went four and six in the last 10 games. And then you have a stinker in the first round of the playoffs against a divisional opponent that you played twice already. That doesn't look good. Uh, not on Kyler and especially not on Cliff Kingsbury. So all those Cliff Kingsbury haters are not in their head right now in acceptance. Yes, that is exactly right. Uh, but I, they couldn't do much of anything. And and not having DeAndre Hopkins is probably the biggest problem. He's able to get open on most most routes. He has great hands. He's reliable. Now with just Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, and a somewhat Cinderella season for him, and a bunch of rookie-ish type receivers. I don't think Kyler has trust in, in his guys who I think are good enough, uh, but I don't think Kyler trusts them to be good enough to take the chance like he would with D-Hop. I don't think that he's doing it, and that was one of the big problems. The interception he threw in the end zone was ridiculous. Throw the ball away or take the safety. You just gave the defense a free pick six from the three. It's absolutely amazing the decision making he had in this game. Now there were a few of his. The other interception was a bit of a. It was a bit of a tip. It was a weird ball. So I, I'm not gonna put that one on him. But they couldn't establish the run. They then could not move on for the big hit pass plays. So so the Cardinals didn't stand a chance. Stafford threw 17 passes in this game. I think he completed 12 of them. He was 12 of 17. For two touchdowns and a little over 200 yards. Biggest player of this football game, I'm not going to lie, was Odell Beckham Jr. Hits on a on a, on a screen pass and throw uh, to Cam Akers, the running back, for 40 yards. Caught a TD. Caught a big pass at the, at the, in the middle of the third quarter. So, 
Uh, Odell had the best game, I think, in that, and he had the biggest impact. Another big impact for the Rams right now is the combo of Cam Akers and, and Sony Michelle. And, and nobody's talking about this. Literally no one is talking about the running game for the Rams. And I think it's absolutely hilarious because you should be. Cam Akers comes back off the, I think he had a torn Achilles, either that or he had an ACL last season. Comes back in the last game of the season, plays a little bit of the regular season this year. So missed, yeah, this entire, basically last offseason and this entire season up until the last game of the season, which is a tongue twister. Uh, but he missed it, and he was rehabbing the 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 leg injury, whether it be the Achilles or the ACL. Immaterial. It was a, a game, a life changing event for his leg. But Cam Akers comes back, big impact. Sony Michelle was basically doing the damn thing while Cam Akers was out, and Daryl Henderson was out with COVID or out with another dinged up injury most of the season. So Sony Michelle is now teaming up with Cam Akers coming back. Both of both of them probably relatively fresh. Uh, fresh after for Michelle because now he doesn't have to have all the carries. He can split them with Cam Akers, so he's a little bit more fresh. And and Cam hasn't played that often in the last year, so he's got to have fresh legs depending on if he did the rehab right for his injury. But he, th- listen, I, th- people need to start talking about the, the Rams' offense. They need to start talking about their offensive ability to run the football because their offensive line is pretty damn good. And and their running backs are performing well. And, yeah, Stafford does throw questionable passes. He throws interceptions when you don't want him to. But he also has a really a good amount of good throws. And he's able to manage football games. For, and he did it for multiple years on a shitty team most of the time. Uh, and he made that team better. Every Lions team he was on, he made better. And now he's trying to do it with Sean McVay and the, and the Los Angeles Rams. Listen. Uh, they're playing the Bucks this week. This is going to be an interesting game as well. Uh, not up there for me in terms of best available game to watch, but it's definitely another good one. There's no game I don't like this week in terms of wanting to watch it and ha- making sure it's a quality watch in terms of uh, overall ex- exhibition of wonderful NFL playing. Uh, they're all going to be good. All of the games are going to be good. They're going to be fun watches. They're going to be good watches. And, and a few throwback uh, options because, listen, San Francisco and Green Bay, uh, and then uh, San Francisco just played Dallas. I feel like I went back to the 90s, to be quite honest with you. So uh, that's the recap of Super Wild Card Weekend. It was a wonderful weekend to watch football. I saw a decent amount of games. Missed the, I missed the first game and missed the last game, but watched the four in the middle. So I, I, I missed the, the Bengals-Raiders game. I was super busy doing some stuff around the house, so I wasn't able to watch it. And then last night I was too tired from shoveling snow. That shit, when it rains, it's it freezes, and then it snows, it's so heavy, it's unreal. And I know I'm just straight up bitching about shoveling snow, but like I, it was awful. So I apologize. Could have actually came out with a podcast late last night, but you probably would have listened to, the, to it today anyway. So um that is the end of the Super Wildcard Weekend podcast. Remember, add me on Twitter at All in Man Cave Pod. Add me on Facebook, Cole Hate, C O L E H A Y D as in Dog, T as in Tom. Tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell anyone about the All in Man Cave podcast. We will be back on Friday uh, to go over the next round of NFL playoff games, as well as I have a little bit of, uh, I got a little a little fun segment for you guys as well, other than going over f- a potential 
uh, four games uh, for this weekend. So definitely tune in. If you didn't listen to or you missed a podcast that I've recently uploaded, go back in the feed wherever you listen to podcasts and take a listen. I appreciate it 100%. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your night, and I will talk to you on Friday. And like I always say, later. Later.